friends, Romans, countrymen, Lemieurs. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the MC Lars podcast. It is Monday, May 18th. This is episode 90, 2020. In case you didn't know what year it is. It's hard to know what day it is, what year it is as we wait in quarantine. This has gone on longer than any of us probably had anticipated. Um, we were looking forward to seeing Rage Against the Machine. And I know this is kind of like a minor thing, but we bought tickets for August. Nope. Show's canceled. My show in uh, Pennsylvania later next month, Too Many Games, got rescheduled, as did my Palo Alto show. I'm still maybe playing a show in August in Sacramento, a Comic-Con, but it's unclear. Um, We just had a kid, so we are home taking care of him, staying with family outside of New York. Um, And it's been interesting. It's been wonderful staying with our mother-in-law and her husband, and it's been, you know, getting stuff done. I mean, it's interesting how I talked about this online. You get little chunks of time to get things done. And thankfully, I did most of these podcasts. Actually, all the podcasts you'll hear for the next few weeks, I recorded before the baby came. Um, and some of them I actually recorded before the coronavirus lockdown, two of them, actually. So that's interesting to hear the differences in what we talk about. But also things haven't changed that much too. But I want to give a shout out to Ash Wednesday because she's a wonderful mom and um, this has been fun. Being a dad is fun. I don't mind not sleeping. Like holding a kid, holding a baby and feeding them and having them react to you. And even though he doesn't, he's two weeks old, he's gaining weight, our son Atlas. Even though he's not talking yet, pretty soon he'll be laying down sick raps. Okay, this week's episode is brought to you by the Patreon Larsons. As always, I want to shout out the old ones, Kayla, Aaron, and Emery, and shout out to the new ones, Shannon, Jeremy, and Rachel. If you sign up, not only do you get all the songs, like the 100-plus songs that you only get through Patreon, you get access to my entire back catalog with rarities you may not have. If you donate at a certain level, you get merch, you get signed artwork, all sorts of flavor. Basically, Patreon's tight, and Patreon now is the diaper fund. <laughs> So if you want me to not be covered in feces, <laughs> that's gross. No, I'm serious. Patreon's tight. Patreon.com slash MCLars. I just dropped the Black Panther song, and the next month we got Spider-Man Homecoming and Doctor Strange. I'm doing all the MCU movies. By the end of the summer, we'll get to Endgame. Then we'll wait a bit, and when Black Widow comes out, we'll do that. That's what's up. Now it's time for this new segment of the show where people call in and leave a message to our new baby boy. It's called Letters to Atlas. Here we go. Is he sleeping? Is he pooping? Just checking in. How's a little boy doing? These are some messages that you left. Wishing our little baby boy the best. Now it's time for Letters to Atlas. Please leave a message after the tone. Yeah, this message is for Atlas Nielsen from his mommy. He's being a pretty good boy today. He's nursing. He's two days old. And he is so precious, but he does make me a little bit brain dead. And I just think that his daddy is so nice for setting up this account for him. And he's really special. So I hope he always knows how much we love him and how we do anything for him. And that he's so, he's so special and we're very lucky. We feel lucky that he is in our lives. We're lucky, lucky, lucky. Love you, mommy. That was cute. Thank you, Ash. Ash was actually the second person to call in after Aaron and leave a message for her son, for our son. That's what's up. So what else? Oh, shoot. I did a collab with so many nerdcore artists, like every nerdcore artist I know. Not everyone, but but definitely my, some of my favorites. And that is coming out 
at the end of the month, it's got Mega Ram, Beefy, Shave of the Dark Lord, Sky Blue, MC Frontalot, Whitey Cracker, Lex the Lexicon Artist, and former Fat Boys. It's called Revenge of the Nerds 2. I'm going to post a link where you can pre-save it. If you do that, the Spotify algorithms will like recommend it to you and your friends. That's what I'm learning. So that is going to be my first time collaborating with eight other artists, produced by Rich Matthew, and it's a great, great track. Speaking of Rich Matthew, Rich Matthew worked with Uncle Meg a.k.a. Maximus Scaff from Handjob Academy. And Maximus Scaff uh, directed my video with Watsky, Never Afraid. He's a really, really talented rapper, producer, artist. Uh, he talks about growing up with a transgender identity in West Virginia, what it was like moving to New York, and basically his career in Handjob Academy and after. It was a really, really cool interview. We did this remotely. And in the show notes, check it out, um, I posted a video he took of New York, where he edited together footage right after the lockdown. It's very spooky and, and dope and, and very historical like piece of brave journalism. So check that out. It's in the show notes. And check out his music. The Bandcamp link is in there too. But let's get into it. This is my interview with Maximus Scaff right here on the MC Lars podcast. Holler. <laughs> Hello, friends. I'm talking to Maximus Scaff, yeah. director, producer, rapper, artist, and friend. And uh, we are doing this podcast remotely because you're st we're all still in quarantine, right? Yeah. Been in quarantine. What is this? Like week three? We're going on week three or is this four already? <laughs> Who knows? It's hard to keep track. It's hard to keep track. <laughs> I don't know it what feels... day it is. <laughs> we fled the city about three weeks ago because, as you know, we're... We're having our kid, and we didn't want to be dealing with all the craziness yeah. of the hospitals. You sent um, a, a really dope video of like the early days of quarantine. Like, yeah, talk, talk about that. That was yeah. crazy. So I would say that, like, um, so I would say that my quarantine really started um, March thirteenth was my last day working in Manhattan because I work, you know. Uh, two or three days a week at a studio, a ballet studio, along with, you know, my freelance work and my artwork. Um, so I, I officially left the city March 13th and I um, started quarantine then. But then that week, um, March 19th, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, I actually had like, you know, three or four people that was like, yo, like you're you need to go out and document this. I broke my quarantine, you know, uh, March 19th, and I went out and filmed and made this, like, very uh, apocalyptic video of the empty streets of New York City. So have you been out of the house much since then, or was that kind of like a one-time, like, thing? I have not been on the subway since, and okay. I, I, I don't plan to, you know, because it's like, at this point, it's like... You know, the virus is everywhere. You can't really avoid it if you're in the city. But I go out every morning, you know, on the nice days. And um, I I went on a run this morning or, you know, I go to the this park called Highland Park near me. And um, I'll do a bike ride and uh, meditation there. Uh, you know, been spending a lot of time in uh, cemeteries with the dead people and stuff. So <laughs> they can't they can't give it to you. No, no, they're the, they're the safest ones here. 
So <laughs> so when you went out, then it was early on, so it was a little safer because the virus had spread less. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I would say it was safer, but um. I mean, I bet it's even more empty now, you know, because there were still a couple totally. people on the streets then, you know. There's that clip that was especially evocative to me of that dude doing like pull-ups on the street <laughs> sign. He was kind of like hanging out on the corner. I thought that was, I was so interested. And that was one of the like last scenes that I shot that day. I was literally going into the subway at, um, where was I? I was right at uh, Bryant Park because Park, I had just filmed Grand Central. Yeah, I, he was one of the last ones I ran into. He was just hanging out on the corner, and he had his mat. What did was he wearing a mask? He was wearing gloves <laughs> and touching this stuff, you know. So I was just like, you know, I've seen people do that type of stuff in New York City, you know, be, sure. you know, doing the push-ups and stuff on the scaffolding, but I never seen it with you know the quarantine gear on. So I thought it was just like, oh my god, here's an empty street in Midtown Manhattan. <laughs> None of these, you know, corporate workers are here. And here's just a dude just flipping around like it's a it's a jungle, you know. And even even when I was there, I was like, yo, this can be somebody's playground right now because nobody, you know, nobody's out here. You can do whatever you want, really. It's like that the mind game of what would you do if you could freeze time? Right. Mm -hmm. And like everyone stayed still. Right. The the people who are able to access the city um and then there's that person that scene i think you end with it and you start with it i might be wrong about that but that person's looking at you while you're filming him that was the last shot i did okay so that was that was coming home on the train where that guy's looking at me and i at that point i was just like i was i was done for the day and i'm like yo like me and this dude literally had a stare down you know and i'm i when i go out and i document um and i'm doing like documentary work it's like you kind of have to be um a little fearless and like i stick you know i push people's boundaries and i stick the camera you know in in people's faces and you know um me and i just i i don't know why i held it on him for so long like Usually I'd back away a little sooner than that, but I'm like, I got a good like 20 seconds on this dude looking like he's going to kick my ass. But I'm like, he not going to get out that seat. I already know that. (laughs) Were you, you were in the same car? Deliberately pointing the camera at him. (laughs) Did he say anything to you or was just, uh, just eye contact? Nothing. Just eye contact. Just that stare. And that's why I yeah. wanted to end it with that because it was just such um, an interesting moment because it's like, he's probably like, what is this guy thinking of me? And I'm like, what is this guy thinking of me? Is he pissed? Is he just like right. curious? I couldn't tell, you know? So Yeah. Or like, like who is this? Is this an art project or is this person FaceTiming someone? Right. Like, are you in filming? I guess he probably knew you were filming. Oh, right? yeah. No, I had my big camera out. Like I had, oh, 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 wow. I had the gear. I had the gear out. Right. <laughs> so it was pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. I had the fucking big, big camera on my shoulder, like the lenses, right. you know, the whole, you know, handheld rig. So it was like, <laughs> wow, I had this vision of you with, with your phone, but you have that super mm-hmm, nice camera. Mm-hmm. Wow. So yeah. you really, de- you really, you're a true artist committed to your craft. <laughs> uh, you grew up in West Virginia. Yes, I did. And 
how are they handling the uh, COVID-19 stuff? Have you been talking to any friends or family from back there? Um, yeah, I've been in touch with my family a lot. You know, we keep in touch. And uh, my grandmother, I don't think a lot of people are honestly taking it very seriously, um, which is okay. why I wanted to make that video in the first place, because I felt like, okay, here's New York City, the, you know, the most populated city in America and the most like economically driven for small businesses. And, you know, it's becoming more corporate, but it's a city that hustles and, and is, has wall street and is, you know, keeping the economy really going. And, you know, I just kept seeing people, um, you know, like the, the spring breakers on the beach partying and not really, not really caring. And I'm like, watch watch what happened because it's going to come to you next you know what i mean and um but my family uh they're taking it seriously like my grandmother is uh she just turned 91 and Mm. she my parents won't even see her there was a picture of my uh my mom and my younger sister showing up to her house on you know this past easter with just like some chocolate and wine and stuff and they leave it at the door you know they don't even touch right so sounds like they're being smart about it yeah look who's look who's here it's ash wednesday yeah i just brought a sandwich and a lacroix nice so sweet (laughs) (laughs) she's so nice um that's what's up um okay so you so your family is taking it serious in terms especially since you have an older grandma Mm mm-hmm and um, yeah, so, but she's so funny. She like literally doesn't even care about death or anything. You know, I talked to her on the phone the other day because <laughs> she sent me a thousand dollars for like Corona relief. Wow. And I'm like, thanks. Like now I can, you know, I-, I can pay my rent, you know, without having to dip into my savings account that I like worked so hard to, you know, build up. And, um, you know, she was just saying <laughs> she's so like nihilistic and like, she, you know, she's not affected by it. She's just like, you know, and I decided if I get sick, I'm not going to the ER. I'm just going to have to die here and y'all are just going to have to find me. And it's, it's like, Dark. OK, <laughs> <laughs> because she doesn't want to like what glut the health care system or she's just kind of it's my time if I do go. She's like, yeah, it's my time. She's yeah. like, I'm not going to have them plug me up and, you know, put put all this tests on me and everything, you know. Yeah. She's very at That's... peace with death. And she, um, I appreciate that about her. You know, she's not scared of that. That's actually kind of inspirational. Maybe hopefully when we're all that old, we'll be as fearless as her, right? Oh, like, totally. Cause... I want to be like can't... her now, you know, because she doesn't give a yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's her story? How did she end up in West Virginia? Is she, How many generations deep is your family from there? Mm, so my grandmother, that's my mom's side. They're originally from Germany. And I, I mean, but they've been in America for like a million years. I mean, they didn't like just immigrate or anything. Um, but she... And my grandfather, who passed away in 2017, they um, were from Austin, Texas. Oh. Yeah. 
and where I met you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's funny. Austin. Yeah. So every time, you know, every time I was in South by Southwest, I sent her pictures, and so she was a school teacher, and my grandfather was an engineer, and it was pretty cool because back in the day, um, in Texas, there was a lot of Mexican immigrants coming in over the border, and there's pictures of her you know, and her class, her classes, like, you know, second graders and, you know, half of them are these white cowboys and half of them are, um, you know, Mexican migrants. Um, and I mm -hmm. thought that was pretty cool, you know, cause what is that? Like the like forties or fifties or something like that, you know? Um, but basically since my grandfather is a chemical engineer, they moved around a lot and, um, you know, they lived in Puerto Rico for a while. My mom went to elementary school there and then they eventually went oh, to, wow. um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so they <laughs> went from, I guess, Texas to Charleston to Puerto Rico, back to Charleston. Um, and they, you know, they eventually settled in Charleston cause it's, uh, a chemical Valley there. I don't know how much mm. chemicals they're doing now, but you know, back even when I was growing up, it's like, they made mad chemicals. <laughs> You know, it was like the asthma capital of the United States, you know, because the chemicals just get trapped in the valley. Wow. Um, do people have health health effects? You're saying people get asthma there, like growing up there? Oh, yeah. Asthma is a big thing there. And then also like the rivers are all polluted and like you could pull out like, you know, fish with like three eyes and frogs oh, with God. like you know six six legs and shit and because of what does that also a result of like the strip mining and yes stuff? would that, that happen there too mm -hmm. yeah yeah a lot wow. of um runoff from the coal mines for sure and the mountaintop yeah. removal you went to college in new york though right yes i went to um yeah. pratt in brooklyn so i've been in brooklyn since 2008 Wow, 12 years. Yeah, it's crazy. A <laughs> it's a long time. Max, how what was it like going to Pratt? Um, and how has New York changed in your estimation? Because oh, wow. you've been there longer than most people. Like, yeah. Maybe those questions go hand in hand. Um, when I first started going to Pratt, it was really awesome. Um, because I had always wanted to leave West Virginia. Um I think a lot of people from Appalachia hold a lot of shame about where they come from just because of the stereotypes in America of like hillbillies being, you know, these uneducated, um, racist, you know, people who don't got any teeth and they're fucking smoking meth and shit, you know? Right. And it's like, yeah. Hey, I only smoked meth once. No. <laughs> you know, but it's uh like that documentary about the wild oh, whites exactly, of West Virginia. Exactly, exactly. But it's like, yeah. I remember first seeing that documentary and getting like kind of pissed because it's uh -huh. um you know, unfortunately, a lot of people in the state are like that. Um but mm. my family wasn't like that and a lot of my friends that I went to school you know, weren't living in trailer parks, shooting each other and shooting up heroin. You know what I mean? That wasn't my experience. And, um, but when I went to New York, it was like kind of basically an escape. Um, especially being, you know, an LGBT person. Um, and back in the day, it's like, 
you know, even me, you know, when I was like identify as a lesbian, I even felt unaccepted or different from back then. So coming to New York was very much an escape. It was awesome. And it finally allowed me to like have the safe space to blossom into who I actually was, which I had been, you know, hiding for safety reasons, basically. Being around artists Mm -hmm. in like one of the most amazing cities in the world, I bet. (laughs) Night and day. It was the (laughs) cultural differences. Yeah. I mean, you could be whoever you want in New York City and nobody gives a shit. And that is amazing. (laughs) You know? And no one knows your business on the street. I love that. Yeah. You can just walk down and yeah, I can be a, you know, as flamboyant as I want holding anybody's hand that I want and I'm not going to get shot with a rifle. (laughs) (laughs) When did you know that you were LGBT with like in? Oh, I knew like when I was four. (laughs) Yeah, no, like as early as I can remember, I, I knew I was a boy. Yeah. And, um, I knew I was attracted to women. Like, I I remember I had, like, daydreams about, like, my preschool teacher. I had a crush on my preschool teacher. Um, And then I had dreams. You know, I I didn't know what being gay was. So I thought, in a way, the only way to, um, for that to be possible between me and my preschool teacher is if I was male. Um, and that's not to say I already didn't feel male. Like I already felt male, you know, inside. Um, but yeah, no, I knew since like baby years for sure. Who was the first, um, transgender person you met in real life? You know, it's sad because in West Virginia, the only trans person I knew was this, um, woman that everybody called Miss Elizabeth, who was, um, you know, a trans woman who wasn't on hormones, who hadn't, you know, physically transitioned. So they were um, still, you know, presenting in a lot of the public's eyes as, oh, that's, you know, a man in a dress. That was the um, sentiment towards this person. Mm. And it really, to me, represented um, what I didn't want to be. I was terrified of having, a, you know, being a homeless drug addict who was very mentally ill, screaming, you know, not like screaming like stuff you didn't even understand up and down the streets and having people laugh at you. And... You know, that just basically made me hide who I was even more, you know, until I moved into New York and um, Ashley knows this person. Um, I became friends with um, and had a relationship with the first trans man that I really, you know, came in contact and started to um, have a close relationship with Ryan. And, uh, you know, I feel like these are very sad stories, but it's like this is, you know, has been the reality for trans people. Um, 
you know, really up until the last couple of years when, you know, there's been hormone blockers and, you know, a lot of more teenagers or preteen youth have and children even, you know, and transgender children and, you know, schools in Brooklyn are even being accepted, you know. Yeah. Um, but that what that's not the case for our community, for the majority of this lifetime until the past, I'd say fucking, you know, two years um, is when transgender rights really started happening, really. Do you feel like you can use your platform as an artist to educate people about these issues? Um, All the types of art that I make are really about me being me, you know, um, on a day-to-day basis, you know, when I'm walking around the streets or meeting new people or, you know, going to a dinner party or something, I don't, you know, I don't walk in and I'm like, hey, everybody, just so you know, I'm transgender. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? <laughs> right, right. But you would be able to know this from my art because I feel like representation is important. Um, and if I had seen transgender people... um being portrayed in a light that was not um, anything less than, you know, human, um, I would have felt a way more comfortable being myself and just to see other transgender people like me. And it was crazy that I did not run into other transgender men until I was 22 years old. Wow. Um, yeah. 22. Living in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that people are becoming more accepting and more like the conversation, like conversations going towards a positive place? Or do you think we have a long ways to go? Um, it's funny because I'm actually friends. I think most of my friends are cisgendered people. Um, a lot of I, I'm friends with a lot of queer people. And even the hetero people I'm friends with are like, you know, they got queer leaning stuff. You know what I mean? (laughs) Even like the husbands, they're like, yeah, you can like peg me and put shit in my butt. You know what I mean? Like it's like very open and sexually and fluid. I would say fluid. You know, I fuck with fluid people, you know, whether you're cishet or not. I don't discriminate in that way. Um, And... I think that there's a lot more allies and because being transgender, people are starting to come out of the woodworks to be themselves because we are finally creating a safe place, a safer place in society for people to say, hey, I have this experience too. And I think that when I think that hate comes from ignorance And, you know, when you are a quote unquote hillbilly and you've never traveled even to the biggest city in your state Mm. or you've never come in contact with even an regular, you know, I said regular LGBT (laughs) because that's, you know, that's what it is. It's like LGB. Okay, you know, the T's been left off (laughs) for a very long time. Yeah. And um. You know, that's the ignorance breeds that, you know, and and I think that the more and more people, transgender people that are coming out and being loud and being proud and being openly who they are, 
is in turn helping bring more cis allies. Because I realized for me, you know, there was some people in my life who I was actually very terrified to come out to when um, mm. I transitioned. And, but, you know, it takes a lot of courage, but I've taught people so much about just my experience in being human and opening their minds to being more accepting of not only, you know, transgender people, but of all bodies. And um, I think that especially in more progressive uh, communities, we're really going towards a place of accepting all bodies, fat, skinny, disabled, um, and accepting all genders, accepting all sexualities, you know? So I think that's, you know, we're heading in the right direction for sure. That's dope. And for people to feel, to show that they're comfortable in who they're actually, their real gender, it's like, it's, it's saying, oh, this is a, this is a real thing. Don't like, don't belittle this or don't, um, yeah, this is real. And like this, this is making people happy. And this is like how the world was always meant to be, but we were too like covered up with our own insanity to realize this. Like, yeah. That's what's dope. And knowing you like. Before, before you transition after knowing you're this, this is like who you are. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. This yeah. is Max. <laughs> yeah. Max was always Max. And it <laughs> makes me happy that like you you found that peace. So props to you. Yo, thank you, man. Thank you. And so many people had that same experience. Like people who I was close to, like literally I told them and they're like, oh, you didn't do that yet? <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean it's like you've always been max and you know even people like you know some people i i one of my co-workers that i work with um who knew me for a year as meg and you know the rest of our years as max um which i'm in my fourth year now of my transition i just celebrated three years in december Nice. And even she was like, I can't even remember because we'll look at footage sometimes if I, you know, happen to pop on the camera or we see a picture and it's like, even I'm like kind of taken aback or like, it's like very <laughs> cathartic and like almost jarring. And I'm like, whoa, that is a different person. Yeah. You don't remember that every day. Yeah. Costume. Costume that was just you were putting on, right? Yeah. I wanted to talk briefly about your work with um, Claire and Ash and HJA and um, how the group come together and how does it feel now like seeing those old videos? Is it something you kind of, it's like in the past? And we don't have to talk about it if you don't want. No, no. I'm happy to talk about it. Um, so HJA started, I'd say, uh, yeah, 2012 and I had just graduated college and um, I ran into these two young women who were rapping um, and I made a music video for them and then I started making raps myself because I've always been into writing and music um, before 2012 I never tried rap you know <laughs> oh, and I, um, I fell in love with it yeah I mean I'd always listened to hip-hop and been a hip-hop head like that's what I primarily grew up you know, listening to is hip hop, hip hop, hip hop, hip hop, pop rap, different variations. 
Um, and you know, now that it's been, I think about, let's see, it's been about four years since the band broke up and I've actually really revisited some of those music videos. And, you know, I'd have to, I have to say now that like being in HJA was one of the best parts of my young adult life. Um, just the connection and the adventures we had and, um, we all had the same sense of humor. So uh, I remember we did this tour in 2014 and we, it, we were just like fucking having fun. Yeah. And we were sober too, like uh. acting like Looney Tune goons, but like wiling <laughs> out, like going to the Washington monument and like making like fart noises and twerking and like going to like the fucking Red Sox stadium and saying, go Yankees, go Yankees. <laughs> you know, like we were like provoke provocative as right. fuck. And it was just so fun. What I thought was dope about like learning about your band and seeing your videos, like messing around the streets was how to provoke people both as like, should this type of group even exist in hip hop <laughs> and what, and getting to know your personalities when you did the, uh, what was, you did a series for that. Do what you want always. <laughs> I loved it because being an HJA was very, um, empowering completely. Yeah. Cause it yeah, was like, right. we came constantly with like, we don't give a fuck attitude. And it's like right. in your face. And we'd hear the comments every you know, the stuff we were rapping about was like, we were rude as fuck. And like, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> right. You know, <clears throat> but that was so fun, you yeah. know? And that was, that was, this was also before PC culture was very much like PC, 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 PC. You know, I was saying, bitch that, bitch this. I don't say, I don't rap about bitch. I don't say bitch in mm. a, um, in a um assault assaulting insulting term no more you know in my writing yeah. i don't you know um yeah. but back then we were just you know and people weren't expecting us we'd show up to a show and they'd be like well, this is gonna be so whack and then we <laughs> would just demand the attention right. on stage you know and we would um we'd call you out <laughs> or, or I remember like I remember South by South one year you were standing in the front and this guy was standing there and like you would make these funny asides you're like this dude looks just like E40 don't he look like E40 no E40's right here like just all, all the chaos going on on stage with the shows yo because it was, it was like, uh, yeah. and people were so confused because they were like is this hip hop or is this comedy It's and I think we didn't want to be seen as a um, a comedy band. I think that was our one main thing, but um, that was definitely an element. And that's why people, I think, were um, so gravitated towards the band is because it was funny, you know? Yeah. And, and I that's funny you mentioned that. I used to call people out on stage all the time, just like a stand-up comedian would, you know? Right. I would pinpoint, usually it'd be the drunkest bro in the room I would kind of target and, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, like, slam them a little bit, you know, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like, um, Max, it's like the Sex Pistols had a short, intense lifespan, right? Mm -hmm. With punk rock. Like, it was like that. Y'all had a, 
what four four year run five year run let's see i think how we, long was we it? stopped in we started 2012 i think stopped officially in 2016 so yeah that's okay. that's um four years right yeah that's four 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 impactful years and you toured internationally and yeah. you had you had lena dunham and taylor swift tweeting one of your songs or instagramming it and like just these moments of this bright this bright mm-hmm. um like Haley's Comet. Um, so on that note, you did a lot of, you directed a lot of videos for the group. And what makes you think a good music video in your estimation? Like, uh, yeah, that's, um, you know, uh, this past year, I feel like I've, I've actually gone back to those videos and, and started, you know, revisiting. Cause after, you know, we broke up, I took some time away from, um, you know, I guess, thinking about it revisiting the art taking space from that and the past year like I've been I and I watched all the videos again and I was like I was inspired by my own mm. art <laughs> you know what I mean um taking uh, you know take what taking like three or four years you know and not looking at this stuff and I think you know, the most inspiring video to me that was, I mean, even back then and even now when I want to create something, I think especially back then I was very much leaning towards, I want this to be radical in your face and I want visuals that people have not seen before. Um, right. And I continue that into my art today, you know, um, I just finished filming a film that I think is very creative in terms, it's like a horror film, a campy horror and the characters, I'm really happy with the characters that we made. Cause I think they're just, I can't say, Oh, that's a, a troll or a clown. I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, that's what I want. <laughs> right. That's cool. So this is like a, it's like a horror movie that's coming out an independent. Yeah. Horror movie? Indie horror. Yes. That's tight. Yeah, yeah. So I think I'll probably premiere it in Berlin in October if, you know, the flights ever open back up again. And yeah. uh, if Trump's elected again, I might just stay out there. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, I started building, you know, a community out there. So it's, uh, I, you know, um, my friend John Dett, who I make music with, he told me the other day, he said, get out now, it's a sinking ship. <laughs> is he an expatriate Um, too yeah he's an expatriate i met him in brooklyn and uh he moved to berlin in 2017 and he loves it there you know he's a he's a painter um he's a rapper you know very um alternative like trash garbage rap um (laughs) where he doesn't even like rap right you know what i mean and um right (laughs) he just has this whole persona of this like homeless drug addict man who's constantly in debt and uh john debt you know and (laughs) and uh you know he couldn't make money and and afford to live in new york as an artist anymore um Mm. and now he's you know i seen him over there and he's very happy you know very chill um and he loves it you know berlin i mean all the bowie and Iggy Pop, so many people who have been inspired by that city. I love Berlin. I think it's a yeah. wonderful, amazing city. Friendly in Hugely. all aspects. I mean, yeah. very um, 
you know, immigrant friendly. There's so many um, Turkish and Lebanese people there, very LGBT friendly, very sex positive. Um, I mean, they had a porn festival there. And I mean, people from that city were just walking in and filling up 200 seats. I mean, it, wow. you would not see that in America, you know? Like very, yeah. very open-minded people out there, you know? So. Yeah. And it's like, um, that's, that's cool, Max. So you've created these connections across the world yeah. to showcase your art, to collaborate. And um, I would say your collaboration style is like one of your superpowers. And I wanted to just mention memory real quick. Five years ago when you, we filmed the video with Watsky. <laughs> yeah. And you, 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 it was the first project we did together and we're in front of the steps of the public library and all of a sudden kids show up and you're like, oh yeah, I got a few kids for the shoot. And we're like, <laughs> all right. But it was like, you had like 30 kids. One of the kids <laughs> memorized all the lyrics. They were like break dancing. <laughs> like it was so impressive. I you, I don't, how did you pull that off? How did you pull that off? I wasn't even expecting that. Well, the, it was awesome. the, the thing is, is, you know, I like as a director, I have access to um, a bunch of casting sites and there's so many actors and actresses in New York who will are willing to do free work to get exposure and who so they want all work to, for free. Yeah, they want to participate. They want to participate. They want to build their reels. They want the footage so that they can send it to, you know, commercial casting agencies. Sure. And um, usually I'll, I'll, you know, for this, it was like, okay, I'm going to cast like 15 people because only like three will show up, right? Because it's free. Right. But I forgot that fucking acting moms are psychotic and they're going to show up to fucking everything and they're going right. to make that child do go above and beyond. They're like, you got twins? We got twins. We got... <laughs> Those two kids and then that guy who was like an amazing break dancer who did the slow motion stuff and then that one, the Asian kid who memorized the whole song. <laughs> like, I was like, what? I didn't even know you'd sent them to track. I was like, this is... It was like the best. And what was amazing Max, is yeah. I didn't tell them to do any of that. I didn't. <laughs> I said, here's the song if you want to learn the hook. That's all I okay. said. And other than that, yeah. I said, feel free to bring any talents. If you have talents, please bring them. <laughs> this is what happened. <laughs> and I remember um, two things. The <laughs> The first was, I remember you gave me a note that I will never forget that I've used for other videos. You were like, Lars, why are you not looking at the camera? Look right at the camera. You're looking away. And from then on, oh. from music videos, I always made eye contact. I was kind of like shied away. Oh. And you were you were like, that doesn't read as confident. It might it, When you're talking to someone, it might be polite. Right, but, right. And you said that. And then for the rest of the rest of the video, I was, was locked like, straight on. Locked in, locked in, yeah. That, that video was the most viewed video for that, that cycle of um songs so how much did how much views did it get well i think like eighty thousand. fuck yeah hell yeah it's pretty good it's fun because it's it's fun to watch you know the scene with the girl in the bedroom you had good instincts yeah with the lightsaber yeah L little um kaylin mc kaylin yeah. yeah 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 and then you like i was just goofing around on the camera like looking at the stuffed animals and making weird faces yeah you have this talent for getting the weird awkward strange moments and then putting them in where most people might be like okay that's odd so. and i find like a lot of times when i'm editing 
even if it's narrative stuff, I put in a lot of stuff where the people are not deliberately acting. So like they when okay. they think <laughs> no, seriously, when they think yeah. the camera is not rolling, I think those are the most authentic moments. And I like True. fucking take that shit. <laughs> yeah. And that's what's up. And you've done, haven't you done some videos for Doty, for Mike Doty? Yeah. Me and, me and Mike did a ton of videos when he used to live in Brooklyn. We did, we, we knocked off, you know, a ton. And uh, those were fun too. There's a dude who's from the South who um, had quite a journey, right? Who found his, his home in New York also like similar in that way. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, for, for real, for sure. Have you read his book? I just finished reading it. I've been, I've been, it's nuts. <laughs> I've been stuck on this nonfiction psychology book for like six months, but I'm like so OCD. I like make myself like finish the book, <laughs> and I'm that's like, smart. I'm like going. I'm. It's interesting, but I I go so slow through nonfiction. I need to pick up a memoir or like a, a story because I'll fly through those, you know. But I yeah. want to read it. I, I've been it, needing to read that book. It's interesting to see his journey to become the solo artist. Max, so you're a very busy man, but what is coming up for you? And like, is there anything we can plug or social media? Because I want to, I always like to make sure that my guests are able to promote anything they want. When the quarantine um, is lifted, I have like five screenings that my film... Whoa switch is going to be playing at um one will be in toronto uh one will be in italy one will be in berlin and one will be at a festival in new york so right now the dates are to be decided since nothing can really be decided at this point um but in terms of releases that I have control over. I'm actually literally just finished mastering an album that I wrote with John Dett in Berlin in October. So we hope to release that. Um, I'd say probably in May we'll have it. We'll have it out. Um, wow, it's soon. Yeah. So that's tight. It's called "Shit Don't Change." So say, <laughs> Uncle Meg and John Dett, "Shit Don't Change." That's what's up. Spring 2020. You have a lot of solo stuff on um, Spotify and your Take Me Away song kind of blew up on Spotify. Yeah, it did. It kept getting added to like all of these like superhero playlists, <laughs> Avenger playlists. I'm like, what the hell? Okay, I don't even really fuck with superheroes like yeah. that. <laughs> did you hire, a hire like someone to service it or just kind of happen? No, I had somebody who put it on there, who serviced That's what's it. Up. So he'd put it up, you know, on Avengers, you know, soundtrack playlist. And then I guess, you know, other playlists could see from there, you know, because right. this, you know, all of this stuff, you know, for artists now is uh, a constant algorithm. That's all it is. Totally. Instagram's yeah. an algorithm. Spotify's an algorithm. And I feel like, you know, and it's like, I feel like a fucking, you know, fraud sometimes saying, oh, I paid this person you know, to put my song on a public playlist that people are listening to. Um, but in a sense, that's how artists are getting exposure. That's what labels do. And if you can do it without having mm -hmm, to like mm -hmm. give all your royalties away, like 
props, right? That's just Yo, how it is. for real. You pay a one-time fee. Here's a playlist. If it pops off, it pops off to other playlists. And I'm, yeah. and fortunately, that song, you know, was uh, big among the superhero fans. So, <laughs> I I always appreciate when I get to catch up with you. I appreciate your realness. Where do you like to put like send people for social media, like Twitter, Instagram, or um. Yeah, Twitter and Instagram are good. I haven't been, you know, much of a Facebook user lately just because I find they're a little um, transphobic and discriminating, but I got my whole page shut down, bro. For what? For putting a picture of two transgender people kissing. Really? On, on my artist page. And I what? had like they- I, I had like 2,000 likes on that shit, and they canceled it out. Um, that sounds very so you, so you you know I had to restart it yeah Facebook's transphobic and they're That's racist what? but yeah so I I you know I do the Facebook a little bit post some you know nice PC pictures for my grandmother and my family to look at but right, y- right. you know other than that all the uh, other stuff I I keep it to Instagram and and Twitter the Instagram is Uncle Maxi Boy and um the Twitter is Uncle Max Scaff. Do you have a favorite uh, H.A. song we could end with? Pussy Chicken, for sure. This is, So we're listening to Pussy Chicken by H.J.A. Remind us the name of your, your film that's premiering. Oh, so my film that's out now that's that's um, going to have several screenings uh, across the world is called Switch. Switch. And I have a new film that will be, I think we're going to do a New York screening um, pretty soon. Um, and my new film is called Serum and... I'm hoping to premiere that in Berlin this October at PFFB Festival uh, as well. So stay tuned for for those films. For that flavor. Lots of great stuff coming out from Max. All right, thanks a lot. So here's Pussy Chicken. Peace. Yeah.
that school does not shine. What's now yours was once mine. I ignored the warning signs and I take back what I rejected so many times. Oh, I don't even want to revisit the situation. But let's remember, this all trickles down slowly. Titration. Job Academy. That is Pussy Chicken. That is on Ikea Monkey, which is a great record. And I encourage you all to check out that piece of Brooklyn rap history. All right. Next week, speaking of rap history, we got Brit Rabbit from the Flowbots. Stefan, who uh, did the interview with me remotely from Denver, and he's doing some great activism work. Flowbots are still going strong. Y'all probably remember to 2008 mega hit handlebars he talks about how that changed their lives and everything it's a cool interview i know him through my friend jj who was my former manager who was their manager so that's what's up i hope you're all staying safe i hope you're not going nuts uh i've been offline i don't know if you've noticed i've kind of taken a break from social media and stuff but june i'm going to be doing the weekly stage it shows and obviously the revenge of the nerds 2 is coming out the end of the month the Marvel stuff. So it's not like I haven't been productive, but I'm just just not like tweeting constantly because I'm trying to be present with my son for the beginning of his life and for the rest of his life. But like this has been particularly a time of focus. Anyway, thank you all for helping me grow and keep this platform going. I promise to create more music. I love you all. Uh, Thanks, uh, Maximus, for being on the podcast. I'll talk to you all soon. Peace.